Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan. Liam, what is the news? The news? Well, apart from the fact that we've both been away from home, chasing waves in different parts of the country, um, not a lot. Well, apart from the fact I've also got a new board, which I took on my trip to the north uh, east of England, just below the border of Scotland. Cold, cold waters in August. I even thank God I put my boots in the van yeah, before I left. Crazy. I just looked at them in the in the shed and thought, ah, oh, just stick them in the van. It's colder up there. And me being a northerner should should know, but I'm a I'm a fair weather uh, northerner these days and, and spent too much time down in the southwest. But cold waters, some gnarly sections. But fantastic local crew, very welcoming, very encouraging lineups from the few guys that were in. Yeah, thank you, Northumberland, for uh, having me. It was an epic week of waves and a uh, few local beers as well, which, you know, I love and got packed full of vitamin B and all the, all the, all the associated goodness <laughs> <laughs> that comes with it. It's like, um, yeah. well, what have well, you got how, beer this good? How, how can I sell this? We did do an episode on that, which was... Well, we, probiotics is Probiotics, true, especially on yeah. those kind of, uh, the, those cast conditions, ales or whatever. But anyway, this is not a, the Mindful Beer Drinker show. So yeah, that was the trip. That was, that was the week. That's the news. And so to be away from home in different conditions with a new board was also very interesting for kind of all of the stuff we talk about on this show as well. From the perspective of an improver mm. who's trying to kind of mid-40s get better at surfing it was a great trip and did some good stuff and also completely cooped a lot of things as well but yeah it was it was an epic uh worth the the sort of 430 miles there and 400 and odd miles back very nice what about yourself you've been it because we both left the town didn't we for we for did we did we did a few videos didn't we we yeah. sort of we're taking it in turns because social media is quite a challenge when you're yeah on a holiday isn't it because you're trying to have a bit of a rest yeah but it's also nice still we wanted to make sure we still turned up each day had a lot of big waves at the start, some massive workouts. Yes. It's keeping your mind on that in a way. It's just focusing on the positives of, mm. okay, you know, you might not always have perfectly clean waves that are head high. That's you know, it. who doesn't want that? Yeah. You might have those double overhead or head and a half days where there's still some lovely sections out there at the yeah. back, but you're going to have to really work at it to, yes. to have a good surf. But just keeping your focus on that positive is, mm. is really important. I was kind of, I was in the car looking at it going, fucking hell, that is going to be really, that's going to be tough. Yeah lot of paddling and then i just sort of thought no no this is this is really really good i kept in mind that you know it's autumn time there's going to yeah. be lots of swells around and this is going to be like my conditioning camp my surf conditioning camp yeah. and regardless whether i only just get like two or three waves in a whole mm. hour and a half mm. those kilometers and kilometers of paddling yeah of not just paddling super high intense paddling yeah because it's that difference isn't it you can go we could all go for a workout but mm. when you're finally in the ocean with big waves you have to step it up. Mm. So you just push your body way harder. And um, yeah, it was just focusing on that at the start of the trip. And then the swell died down in size. And oh man, it was dreamy, actually. We were just in, in North Devon. And um, it sort of stayed around two, three to five feet the whole week. Yeah. It is remarkable when you put in two sessions a day, day after day, day after day, on half decent waves of what it can do for your surfing. Absolutely. Um, in particular for me, it's always my snap. The thing that I'm working on and I have been for many, many years, is my snap. And the reason why, because I have these I have these triceps that could paddle for England. I could paddle and paddle and paddle. I have this real good mechanic for, for triceps. Thank you, mum, by the way, because mm-hmm. she has epic triceps. <laughs> They're called the, the, we call them the, the Viv guns. I mean, these are serious, <laughs> serious guns my mum has. And I've been blessed with that, but I've not been blessed with power yes. in that way. I haven't got a very powerful press. Mm. So if I do clap press-ups on the floor, yeah. it's probably my weakest thing is things like that. My sort of push press yeah. in that sense. 
And so I'm always working at that twist snap action where your hands are in close yeah. and you pop it's tricky. hard and quick. Because the reason why it's so important is because when you make that snap, that first sort of touch of your rail, whether it's mm. heel or toe, mm. sets up the whole wave. Mm-hmm. So if you're going backside, it's mm. that first heel turn mm. to just bottom turn and, and, and come up the way. Mm-hmm. That sets up the entire thing absolutely to be either the wave that's kind of flowing and in control or, or one that's yes. not. So it's amazing when you're in twice a day, the difference that it can make for things like your snap. And my snap was starting to really get going. And I was like, I could basically delay it and wait until mm. just as the ball was, was flicking and going, then take off mm. and do a cutback straight away. Nice. So it was really cool in that way. It makes you realize that, you know, you kind of got to be pretty kind to yourself if you're not always surfing twice a day over a holiday, well, that your progression will slow down. Like if you go in once a week, once every two weeks, one, you know, not much. Well, we're talking about practice all you the can't time. Progress as yeah. Yeah, go on, sorry. Practice makes progression, doesn't it? Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I love a bit of Matthew Said and his principles on that in the books he's written, like Bounce and uh, this kind of principle of practice. I think it applies so heavily that the mechanics that you need to kind of go through time and time again to put your body through, to build that muscle memory, to repeat the exercise, to learn from the mistakes is very, very important for progressing in anything. And you think about it as surfers in the UK, we don't have those perfect peaks peeling mm. the consistent waves all of the time. So practice is, if you you know, is very thin on the ground, if you like, and it's not the same conditions that you're going into uh, day after day, which is why... Will and I are talking a lot at the moment about this trip to the wave that's long overdue. Probably by the time the show goes out, we will have been and we will have given it a whirl and see. But those kind of wave parks create for us in the UK, hopefully, um, conditions that allow you to practice the same manoeuvres mm. uh, 40, 50 times in a session. Whereas right now, you know, I was talking about it on that video when I finally got a bit of reception up there in the wilds of Northumberland. That repetition, that practice is so vital to progression mm. in anything. So getting it in is very, very important. It's where the, we discussed it yeah. before, but it's where the surf skate, Yes, I think is like, yeah. it's like the driving range yeah. for the golfer. Yeah. You know, you can't always be on the course, but you've got to have something that can keep yeah. you swinging ball after ball, hitting yeah. ball after ball. And it is definitely the surf yeah. skate. The surf skate for me now, it's directly relatable. And the reason why is it's, it's all to do with your eyes. Yeah. And we've discussed this. Yes. I've seen you surf skate and you, prior to me sort of giving you a little yeah. tip, you would look at where the nose of the board yep. was. And now you see this in surfing too. Mm-hmm. So people are looking at the nose of the board mm-hmm. as to where they're going mm-hmm. in the next maneuver. Mm-hmm. And that will only ever lead to a maneuver that kind of doesn't quite complete That's itself right. within the flow of yeah. the pocket yeah. of the wave. Because you always need to be one move ahead of the yes. next move you're doing in surfing. Yeah. It's a bit like snooker. It's a bit like a yeah. lot of sports. You've got to, you know, great footballers. Yeah. Um, if you look at a guy like Paul Scholes, he, yeah. he was receiving the ball. Yeah to his right foot already mm. think about what he's going to do with his left foot because mm. he's seen space in the back corner of his yes. eyes. I mean, this, yeah. this, this spatial awareness of being yeah. one step ahead is, yeah. is really where you get to the next levels in any sport. Uh, absolutely. And um, the surf skate is fascinating. And I remember being on the seafront mm. with you and I said, look over your shoulder yeah. and just trust that your head yes. will lead to a connection with your feet. Because mm. it's a real, it's a bit of a leap of faith looking over your shoulder and surfing yes. and skating. Because you're going down the line, let's say you're on the tarmac or you're on a wave, to put your, your heels, let's say you're going into a frontside cutback. Yeah. So to put your heels hard into the, the wall that, that you're on and then to look away from that wall. Yeah. It's quite a leap of faith. Of course it is. Because what you're doing now is you're stepping outside the comfort zone of, no, no, I want my eyes and my feet yeah. to be in the same place. Yeah. And as soon as you then don't do that, well, 
the board kind of might slip, but it never does. That's yeah. the funny thing. Yeah. Is you think the board might kind of slip and mm. slide out under your feet because mm. your head's at somewhere else. But the whole point is it's really, really fascinating. And it was the, honestly, I remember this, it was the biggest breakthrough in my surfing eight or nine years ago when I started to properly look over uh, yeah. my shoulder yeah. and not be anywhere near my board and yes. not even look at the spray because yeah. that's a real classic thing yes. that we do you know how much spray am I producing yeah. you never want it the surfer who's doing the most spray is never ever seen the spray they're producing mm. that's the real truth yeah. and so it was this thing where I'd come round the bowl this is in Bali in particular because mm. I got repetition there and I'd noticed that if I looked at the nose of my board going into the turn mm. that suddenly the wave would be there and before I knew it it was too late because yeah. I couldn't react in time mm. And then what I started to do was sink my rail into the water. Yeah. And this is actually, um, these were backside waves because it's Bali. Mm. It's all lefts for me. I would bring my toes around and then I would do this thing where I'd look right over my shoulder at the very, very, very top of the wave. Mm. And what would start to happen is like, it's like a fuck it. I swear it still sends shivers down my back because it's like a magic trick. Yes. You open Pandora's box in surfing yeah. because the board, it's some reason your eyes just look up and your board's here yeah. producing massive spray and you're going yeah. like this, like this. And then you just hit the lip exactly where you need to be for that power source. Yeah. And you feel this sort of surge of adrenaline and, it's and joy and you, and you get this re-entry and all mm. these things. And that is the cutback. And I think the cutback is, if you talk to any surf coach, mm. I mean, I'm sure Alan Stokes mm. would, would, would talk about this straight away, but the cutback is the advancing maneuver of a yes. surfer. Like if you, until you can properly cut back to the yeah. foam, yeah. your waves are going to be, sh- you're going to, they're going to run short, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, from, <laughs> from experience, I think it's, and interestingly, you talked about this in sort of surfers, beginner improver surfers wherever you are on that journey of my generation particularly where we didn't have the kind of online tools that are now available and the and the surf skate tools that are available to kind of help with this it's a, it's a door into another world really when you start to um, apply the kind of almost a three-dimensional uh, world that you can be in when you, you use your eyes to look around and be aware of what conditions are and where you want to be your eyes will take you in that direction and uh, sort of coach my kids on it now and they, they instinctively have that with their board skateboards particularly because it, when you do that properly yeah you, your feet follow where your eyes are going and uh, I would wholeheartedly recommend that to anybody on that sort of improver journey who says how do I get better get on a surf skate get your eyes kind of looking around and looking at where do you want to get to because it is remarkable the gains that you'll make and it is thrilling you know to do that time and timing at first time is is amazing and then also, you know, these guys, I've mentioned uh, surf coach Rodrigo Machado mm-hmm, on a few mm-hmm. episodes before of some of the functional movements that can be practiced on land as well, that once you apply them to a board with, with all of the things, you know, eyes looking around as well, combined with that, really, really dials in those gains. Because even on my backside, at the level I'm at, practicing his kind of backside maneuver on the scurf skate mm-hmm. and on land, mm-hmm. it's kind of these yogic moves that are born out of the Brazilian natural gymnastics movement i think really really get your muscle memory thinking about it constantly Mm. and because we don't get the chance to repeat the maneuver on waves very often that's the damn truth i think if if you're a surfer wanting to progress and you're not doing on land visualization techniques on land training techniques that are specifically yes not just push and pull squat lunge da 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 that's it although that's very important yeah but specifically twisting your body into these maneuvers yes. up down the wave. If you're not doing that on land, you're missing out a huge, oh, huge step in growth. Huge. I, I always remember Kelly Slater mentioning yeah. in a video when he was younger, he used to, and this is even when he was on the tour. Yeah. 
And this is a guy that by this point has won four or five world yes. titles. I mean, if he's doing it, yeah. I mean, this is saying something. Yeah. So he'd be in the hotel room mm-hmm. and he was about to go out. I can't remember where it was. It was like Bells or somewhere. And he was in the hotel room on the sofa. Yeah practicing just standing on this sofa it's got a gradient on yeah. it like a wave yeah practicing like the move of his feet yep in the cutback and you're thinking fuck he's doing that just on a sofa so what he's doing is he's getting that synapsis ready visualizing visualizing it, it and he's closing his eyes he used to do the thing yeah. he said he said he would close his eyes and come around the bowl perfectly yeah. see the next bit of the lip smack it off the top and if you get better at that kind of thing, it's a huge, huge step. Oh, I, I really believe in this stuff. And it kind of starts to enter the realms of the guy, Joe Dispenza, that you like, where yep. you say the things that you think can become reality because you're mm. sort of becoming aware of something that is going to happen. Yep. And if you apply that to sort of sports performance, sports psychology, almost at every level, I mean, this is available. This is available. It's free. It's available to everybody, whatever you're doing, tennis, football, rugby, cricket, snooker, darts, Pick your sport, basically. It is the kind of physical practice without the thing in your hand or out of the game experience. And then the mental practice, the visualization techniques and tools that you can use to see yourself in the situation and the position that you want to be in. And that is unreal. And at first, you know, again, you kind of think back to a younger self and I would have seen that as sort of fairly vague mumbo jumbo as mm-hmm. a younger man. It's a terrible shame because absolutely you can imagine the improvements and then those improvements do come. Definitely. Uh, and I apply that to my own surfing. Yeah. And so you that's think, awesome. why not? And yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's the attitude to go into it. It's that can-do attitude. It totally is. I think also what happens is when you're an amateur at a, at a sport, mm. there might be a perception that it's it's silly yeah. to take it seriously. Yeah. You know? And I think in a way, like if you, you know, if you say to your mates, you've been doing visualization techniques for your cutback, that you might <laughs> yeah, get laugh, yeah. laughed off the yeah, car park yeah. if, for it. And I think there's a bit of a perception of, of like, well, why, why would you take it? Well, because I want to get better. Yeah. And I think that's where we've got to remove, well, of course, remove judgment anyway. Yeah. But remove judgment of, of people who have a deep desire, not yeah. just a desire, but a deep desire yeah. to get better. Because actually... It's just the wanting to get better at anything in life. Dude, absolutely. It's the feeling of growth is actually yeah, a deep feeling. It is. And it, and I kind of go back to one of our favorites on the show, Seth Godin. He talks about, and I'm, I'm going from memory of his books here, but talks about the willingness of people to share a dream that is unrealistic or they think mm. is unrealistic. So you'll say, you know, what's the best, what's the greatest dream you have? And they say, I want to be a superhero because it is safe to uh, to think about something that is, is unattained. We're not flying as humans, for example. Amazing, yeah. But they tend to not share mm-hmm. this kind of dream that, well, I want to do a free roundhouse cutback. I want to get an air off a lip because with practice, it's achievable. I'm not doing it because I haven't practiced it enough, you know, but all of the guys, and you mentioned Kelly Slater there, and this kind of feeds back into the Matthew Said sort of uh, philosophies around sports and sports practice is very much that those course, those guys are doing it. They will not not be doing those visualizations or practicing the movements in their head or within their bodies, because that's how they are where Mm. they are. So um, whether you're Toledo or Rismore, all of those uh, surfers, uh, and then you kind of go into the the kind of other sports that exist. Those guys are doing that time and time again. And, and, you know, Dave Beckham and uh, Johnny Wilkinson are prime examples as well. And back in the day, they were really pushing that principle. So yeah, let's apply that to our amateur surfing. Get on it, guys. I totally agree. I'm always dreaming about being on the big wave tour. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I, I have one. And shitting myself the night before. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I have Sorry, one. the small wave tour, that's what I've... Uh, this, I was going to say, we should create yeah. a small wave tour. You'd yeah. be fucking you'd be yeah. top of the charts. Exactly. Dude, and here's, the, here's how you score it, is you have to do like a vibration test at the end. Who has the most stoke? On and the it smallest probably, wave. probably would be lean. And they'd be like, he, he was on half a foot Sidmouth. <laughs> this guy... <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you could apply the same stoke that people get watching uh, Jaws kind of get people wiping out to, you know, 0.5 to one foot slop. Whew, Mate, we're you'd, in. Be, you'd be laughing. Yeah. There's this thing where sharing dreams, we, we discussed it before on the show, yeah. but um, I've been in barrels a number of times and never really made it out. And it's mostly through fear. Yeah. Because it's such a new experience when it does happen because it's so rare yep. that it just freaks me out too much too quickly. Yes. And I'll put myself there. Like I've got the courage and skill to thread the barrel and yes. take off on a wave that will barrel. Yeah. So I've got those two parts down. Mm-hmm. A and B are, are, are done. I'm already yeah. in the ways that are going to barrel. Yeah. And B, I will take off on them. Yeah. C is, is actually the barrel. And being in mm. it... I will wholeheartedly say that I need help with that. Yeah. And I'd love one day. I mean, the guys at Surf Simply are great. They produce a wonderful podcast that's worth listening to as well. We'd love to have them on, on the show one day. But they will do the aspect like anything, which is just breaking it down yeah. into a set of, you know, specific steps that you need to take. And it takes away a lot of that fear. I think the thing is with fear, though, is it's it's a very challenging thing to overcome because it's it's your body leading your mind. As well as, as much as you think that you're in control... It's actually your body. Mm. It's like a reflex system. Yeah. So we mustn't ever judge ourselves if we let fear stop us going over the ledge of a wave or stop us inside of the wave because that's there to help you out. It's just that if you want to get past it, it's two things, I think. It's one, repetition, obviously. That's the most important one. And then two, it's it's getting help. Absolutely. And seeking advice. And look, I mean, we're going to talk interviews this episode because it's our first interview show with George Foster, who's Will's brother and foiler, shaper, artist all-round sort of fabulous human being but uh we also spoke to uh while we were sort of dialing those time zones uh, adam amin who's a big wave surfer again from from sidmouth and has spent time in on all parts of the world but one of the things that really stood out from that interview which would come in the, the following episode is uh about that practice outside of the ocean mm-hmm. so it, got, it dials back into that so that kind of idea that you you train for something that you're going to do in one arena in a totally different one, whether it's the gym every day, whether it's breath holds, whether it's mind uh, meditation and all of the things of visualization that come into play often happen outside of the arena of contact, whether that's, you know, football stadium, rugby stadium, cricket ground. And, uh, and you know, and we use these references to surfing as sport. And I understand that we're also in that sort of spiritual part of surfing as well. But the conditioning that you can put on your body to get the improvements from the sporting elements of surfing are all there if you listen to some of the athletes that uh, have got it dialed. So yeah, there it is. We've rattled through the news there. Dude. Quite a lot. Philosopher's Corner. Yeah. We love it. We're going to sort of listen to some of the interview. Yeah, let's do it now. We interview George sort of before our holiday and yes. hope you guys enjoy this interview coming up now and uh, let us know your thoughts on social media. We'll see the other side. As well, yeah. So when you said, do you want to come on? I wasn't sure if I'd have anything of great value to add to the conversation. After I thought about it a long time, I just thought, well, I'll just... I'll just see if they have anything they want to ask or talk about, basically, and just see if I can articulate something. But um, one of the things I wanted to say was, I still, to this day, think my best surfing experiences were all back home. Wow. And uh, yeah, you get a lot of chances to get in the water here, and the conditions can be really good. But there's something about the wide open spaces that you get in North Devon and in Devon in general, and Cornwall as well, that it very, it's very hard to beat getting your own peak on a little solitary 
sandbar somewhere is amazing in England. And it's, it's very crowded here. Well, that was, going to be, that, that was going to be a big question, really, is what is it like battling the crowds of surfers that to us from the outside looking in are all pretty, uh, you know, top of their game, right? And by the way, in Maui, because we're yeah. just, let's get set the scene here, yeah. George. You, you moved from Sidmouth in England to, to Maui. What is it like being in the lineup? In the beginning, it was a challenge because... I didn't really know the coastline very well. So I, I surfed, you know, the top spots where there's the most people because that's just the place you know to surf. You know, there's a lot of uh, breaks here that you can find and that I have found over the years that I can get and go and surf on my own. In the beginning, I didn't know about. So yeah, it's um, a lot of it. Uh, you've got to wait your turn and you have to be smart about um, where you sit in the lineup. And it's competitive, I suppose, is a way of saying it. People uh, are trying to get as many waves as they can and sit as deep as possible. And um, the people that grew up here and they surf every day, they're very good and they make it look easy. And it's, it's not particularly easy. But anyway, after some time, I started to search out places that were not crowded and I found them. And then um, I, I definitely started to enjoy my surfing experience here a lot more. Are they well-kept secrets in Maui, George? Do you, are you sharing those with other people or are they your sort of secret little spots? Yeah. When I found these spots, um, there was a reason, a couple of reasons. A lot of times people weren't surfing them. The first one was it was just not a very good quality wave. <laughs> and uh, the second one, the second reason was because a lot of times it's a really long paddle to these places and people like to pull up to the beach where it's just a short paddle, there's showers and it's convenient. So if you're willing to do long paddles and you don't mind surfing less quality surf, uh, you can find waves all to yourself here. Uh, there's a lot of space. There's a lot of breaks. It's just very windy all the time. Well, most of the time. We get our fair share of glassy days, but even in Maui, when it's glassy, it's still sort of windy for some reason. But um, when it's glassy, all of those places get really good. It's just the wind tends to affect them. So in recent times, I've started to enjoy the ocean have a lot more because i've started to wing foil all these years living here and as a surfer you wake up really early to beat the wind and get glassy dawn patrol conditions or beat the crowd and it's windy so much of the time here it's a really big windsurfing place uh kite surfing is really popular here and then i started foiling and when the wind came along it was my opportunity to do a wind sport and previously i had rejected wind sports and just focused as a purist on you know surfing a shortboard right <laughs> which uh, was i think looking back maybe uh, a small error on my part because i i've missed out i and i look back over the years i've probably missed out big time on some some really good experiences now that i get to wing the wind blows every day you can wake up well i'm busy with the kids and work but if you had the opportunity you could wake up whenever you wanted <laughs> and sleep in you can't go in the water and do your wind spot till 11 o'clock anyway but it's like a machine it's just on you jump in there's waves or there's not waves the wind's blowing you're getting the same amazing experience but you can just it's on tap you can just go every basically every single day and then one day when it's glassy uh you can go and enjoy some smooth conditions but for the most part it's windy here yeah so anyway it's been good recent times i've really been tapping into what Maui has to offer a lot more than I used to. Oh, I used to fight the wind a lot as a surfer. Where was the inspiration for that, George? I mean, I, I heard Jerry Lopez talking about his experience of sort of harnessing the wind to get sort of stoke and, and, and getting into the sort of wind power uh, that, that sort yeah. of propelled his board. Did you find it out for yourself or did you just sort of 
was it looking to some of those people to sort of see the the stoke that they got from from switching it up, well, switching it up and getting off the uh, scene? Well, the transition for me was, uh, yeah, actually, I did start to harness the wind, I suppose. And um, to draw a parallel with Jerry, I know that he's done in the past a lot of uh, prone paddling and uh, downwind prone paddling we do here in Hawaii is just amazing. You're on a long, skinny, a lot of times lightweight, hollow paddleboard, and you paddle downwind and you surf downwind, but you're prone laying down. Yes. And a few years ago, I saw a video of, of Kai Lenny hmm. um, doing the same downwind run, run that we all do here, the Maliko run here in Maui, which is incredible. Um, but he was on a stand-up paddleboard with a foil, a hydrofoil underneath. And he was doing something that with all of my prone paddle downwinders, I thought this is where downwinding has to go and, and foiling is the way to do it. It was a huge inspiration for me to start foiling. So I started foiling. I learned how to foil. And you've learned to foil in the surf and you go surf foil and that's really exciting. But in the back of my mind, it's always with a focus to eventually get really good at downwind foiling. Mm. Because we've got a um, almost 10 mile run, which on a foil you can surf. And um, the wind swells on the outside are large on a windy day, sometimes overhead. And you're on a foil and you can connect waves for miles. And uh, that's still my focus. And so now, a lot of times, because, you know, it's just me on my way home from work or something, I'll take the foil with the wing and I'll travel upwind up the coast mm. four or five miles, turn around and then downwind back to my, wow. back to my car at the beach. George, I want to touch on something just quickly. You were mentioning earlier about the family. Now, listen, we're brothers, obviously. Just to set the scene, <laughs> we've even mentioned that from the beginning, but... I also yeah. know your family pretty well because we are family. Talking about kids and like family and having a partner, we, we talk about this yeah. in the show a lot, obviously lifestyle, trying to keep balance because obviously yeah. you have the joy of the ocean, but you've got to try and keep balance at home as well. What advice would you give to someone who has like a busy life but they still want to get in the ocean and try and figure it all out and, and keep a balance? You know, I don't really spend much time chilling out and relaxing. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that... Um, Actually, people ask me that quite often because obviously, like I've got a full-time job. I'm managing a restaurant and three kids and I like to make surfboards as well, but I also like to get in the water. So you can imagine there's like the scheduling stuff. But I would say you've got to find some way of fitting it into your schedule. So let's just say with foiling and wing foiling specifically here in Maui, I can just show up and it, it's on. Yeah, that's really... So in 30 minutes, I could be traveling on my foil on the wing in the ocean for 20 of those and a lot of that's on waves and surfing and when you think about 20 minutes a 20 minute surf on a shortboard how many waves are you going to catch if you actually that 20 minutes includes showing up putting your shorts on walking to the water paddling out and then also taking time to paddle back in dry off get back in your car so i found an efficient use of time i think with a sport that is really rewarding and it also feels like it feels like an a an evolution for me as well. Like, um, well, I, I like the sense. Yeah. I really wanted to sort of hear about that bit, George, actually, is that, you know, George is a kind of great, a shaper, makes surfboards. And then you took that extension into sort of making boards with foils. Mm -hmm. How did you find that sort of transition and are you going from making boards that you were riding without the foil to making the sort of foil boards? And for me, the sort of curious thing is, how do you deal with the sort of gnarliness of wipeouts on a foil board? We talk about it a lot. <laughs> Having landed on my fins, as we were talking just pre-recording at Morgan Port yeah. a few weeks ago, yeah. 
the thought of landing on a, a sort of a foil fills me yeah. with utter dread, fear, and trepidation. It's true. It is scary when you're learning. I was a slow learner with the foil. It took me about three weeks. I went every day, hour and a half, two hours, every day for three weeks. I took myself to an empty sort of marsh burger break to try to learn how to foil. And it was genuinely really hard. And after the first couple of weeks of trying to learn, I wasn't enjoying it at all. But it was a challenge of learning something new. And, and sometimes uh, if like maybe that's that to learn something new. It's been a long time since I learned how to surf. And this was like starting from scratch all over again. So, you know, I remember in one of your episodes, you talked about something like a, it's like learning to surf all over again, catching your very first wave. But you're, I was in my 30s. And so <laughs> it's really rejuvenating. And the excitement of surfing is really high. And I brought the foil back to England. And I was still in the, like my learning phase. So I wasn't really able to, to show, you know, Will and Toby and the, like, the family quite what it was because back then no, no one was even really foiling in England. So you couldn't really even see them at the beaches. But I will say that they are dangerous if you land on them, but they're more dangerous for the people around you if you're learning. If you're going to learn to foil, you want to take yourself off to yeah. the absolute middle of nowhere and like learn without people around. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't start foiling. I think maybe it's the, the fear factor of, you could fall on it, which is a really good example. People, you know, don't think skateboarding is that bad, but when you fall, you're not landing on water, you're landing on concrete or cement or something, and it's not good. I've seen two people trying the chicken wing and the foil now at uh, a main beach. It's happening, George. Yeah. We're seeing it, but, so, I, but I think in terms of competency, maybe we could send them out to you, George, to give them some tips. Uh, <laughs> I could give them some coaching. Yeah, I mean, again, like with so the wing came along, and I took myself to the beach. The windsurfing place with a lot of windsurfers at a place that I never really go to, but it's got a good access to the water and showers and stuff. Anyway, so I took myself to the beach. The first, I think, six or seven hours of my learning experience, I just couldn't do it at all. I'd never windsurfed really. I'd never kite surfed. So my knowledge of the wind was zero. And, uh, you know, then it clicks and off you go. And it's just amazing. And uh, I don't know, lately I've been looking forward to winter because you know, summer here, you don't really get waves on the North Shore. We get a little bit of waves on the North Shore, but not much. But I'm looking forward to foiling some more solid waves when winter comes. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. On that basis, George, could you, because we talk a lot about comparison, stealing our joy, especially as uh, winter surfers in the UK, and we sort of, we squeeze into this neoprene, we try to stop ourselves freezing, we paddle out mm. in kind of uh, blown out surf, and we look at the images, especially on social media, of places like uh, Hawaii and, uh, and, and the Californias of the world. So for the sake of kind of uh, giving us some reassurance, the conditions aren't always dreamy uh, where you are in Maui. And uh, in fact, you yearn for some of our brown slop that we call <laughs> that we call the home break, right? George loves home. He loves home slop. I yeah. do. Surfing in England, like I was saying, well, surfing in England for me is still my favorite place to surf. You know, not like North Devon. I don't know if it's just because I grew up learning to surf there. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's a nostalgic thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's something I, I think I've learned for me is going in the ocean is about finding a wide open space to feel the freedom, mm -hmm. to feel alone. I love that feeling of being on my own. 
which is hard to do in the crowded world with everyone around. I used to get a huge, feel a huge amount of freedom in North Devon when you have a three or four mile long beach to just be in nature all on your own. Uh, and I get that now with the wing. It takes me sometimes almost a mile out to sea on certain downwind runs and you're all alone and um, it's beautiful. And it's not so much about a big adrenaline rush or dropping into giant surf. It's more just about finding some peace of mind and freedom and escape and just really feeling like you were there with nature and it was just you and nature on your own. Not just you and 50 or 60 other people that are competing for a, for a wave. So I, my goal is always, like I was saying, to just go find a basically a uncrowded surf. Have you found, George, I just want to ask you, with the foiling, have you, have you been on a surfboard and if you have done, have you noticed any, <laughs> any difference actually in yeah. your surfing? I've surfed, I think, once in the last at least well over a year. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, so, yes, um, it does. I personally found my surfing has been maybe negatively affected, but it's also because I don't really dedicate up, like sessions to go surf. Yeah. The foil is too... It's, it's too strong of a draw. There's too much of a payoff still. I still feel like there's too much for me to learn. Like when I first started making surfboards was because I wanted to make boards that were really good for surfing these breaks that were kind of lesser waves that were off in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. So more like the boards we ride in England, like, you know, thicker, wider, easier for planing and mush burgers. Yeah. I mean, obviously you get amazing waves in England, but a lot of the time it isn't amazing. But that's the same here. Like, like I don't know. Yeah, like you were saying, it isn't. It isn't always perfect. But with the wind, it's quite reliable. It's yeah. windier quite a lot of the time here, and uh, I don't know how many days a year. But if it's not windy for a few days, I'm not really that upset because it's just nice to take a break because I'm tired a lot of the time from <laughs> being busy. So you're you're, you're basically when I was we should get off our board, get off our surfboards and get on a foil. <laughs> George has been saying this to me for years. I think that. Uh, <laughs> when I brought the foil back to England, I actually was had this idea in my mind that the waves were going to be really good for foiling. And uh, it was more challenging than I thought it was going to be. So actually, no, I don't think you need to change right away. But that wing thing, the amount of windy days you have at home where it's blowing, let's say it once it gets to 12 to 15 miles an hour, not wind, right? You could, and it, it's basically still flat at that point. Yeah. Maybe some little crumbly ripples coming through. You could be out there zipping okay. around. Yeah. Anyway, when I was making those boards for small waves, it was because I had a necessity for something that I didn't really see at the surf shops. And uh, I also just wanted to try it because, you know, being creative is kind of important to me. So I went on YouTube and just learned how to make a surfboard and then shaped a thing that I had in my head. And I think that was the first step towards, that was the first step I took in the evolution of my surfing experience mm. where I was able to just let go growing up wanting to ride a shortboard all the time. I just was able to let go of that eventually and just, you know, see what the conditions are and just go and have fun. Mm. And uh I know Liam you like often mention uh about the flow state and yeah. the sort of I've never found anything like downwind foiling for being in a flow state. I, it's just absolutely mind blowing. I mean, how much it's crazy. almost like over it's like flow over george what i want to know with with the flow state it's interesting mm. why is that why do you think you get more i've tried to think about this because i i wanted to mention it to you because i've heard about you talk about it in one of the previous podcasts you've surfed some really high quality waves in england but on your travels as well a really good reference would be north devon where in the past 
when it lines and it's really clean, you can get very long rides. Mm. You know, a minute, minute and a half sometimes, right? Like if you're on a longboard and you just keep, you just keep gliding, mm. especially if you if you've got a long wave from out the back and the waves are big. And um, there's a moment in that, or if the waves are really heavy, like you were talking about your session with Liam the other day in Cornwall, where it was gnarly, where it's all you can do is to be in the moment. It's almost not even a conscious choice. It just sort of happens. You just click into it. So you're not thinking about anything else. You just, it's just sort of like a natural reaction to what's happening. I feel that when the foiling thing is really like, um, not so much physical, I don't find. You're not putting huge torque on your body. Like when you're surfing, you don't have to take really steep drops. A lot of it's about thinking and um, deciphering the swell, the swell contours that are out ahead of you to judge how most efficiently to direct your foil to continue your ride and keep on going. So it's like almost okay. like a puzzle. It's so it's almost like that mental puzzle that you're doing really absorbs your focus. Mm. And that's what I think it is. It's not so much about you're just dropping into a giant wave going really fast. And the other thing is, is that the more you do it, the sort of more intricate your understanding of the energy beneath the water becomes. I think that's what I'm referring to. I'm not, yeah, maybe I'm not really, I don't know if I'm explaining it properly, but anyway. No, I, 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 I get it. I think super articulation of that concept because in a way I can see that from the outside looking in, once you take the sort of, you know, we were talking about the sort of learning, the steep learning curve and the danger element and all that sort of stuff. I suppose that combination yeah. of, of just kind of continual movement and uh, your body traveling at speed, but the feeling of floating, the kind of, you're still in the environment of, of an ocean and as you were saying, George, sort of seeking out those quieter spots and those, those sort of places where there are no other humans around, if you like. And so yeah. I suppose the sort of speed, motion, environment, all of this dials into a sense of flow and almost otherworldliness in a well, way. And what just crossed my mind when you're talking is it reminded me of um, you want to um, get to a really high number in your Biff Bat yeah. tournament, right? Yes. And you yes. talked about that connection with the, with the flow in the Biff Bat. I think it, keeping that ball in the air, yeah. that's like maybe in a way a, a little bit like keeping the foil up and keeping it connected so that you can keep riding. It's not stress. It's sort of like an adrenaline and then it's a huge reward when you actually do connect it. Really fascinating. It's another little secret hatch, again, to nick some of Jerry Lopez's sort of uh, words and, and mash them up in not as uh, articulate a way, but another secret door into a almost a meditative state then. If you, if, if you kind of drop the, the busy thoughts of the what we would call the real world, if you like, back on land, and you're entering a, a place where your thoughts are dropped because the energy that's within your body from being in that sort of state, in that sort of environment... It's just total free flow. You've actually sold it to me, George. I was a bit of an anti-foiler. Yeah, well, I, I think that there's some places in the UK, because I, I follow a couple of people on social yeah. media. There's a couple of places in the UK that have what we would call it like good foil waves, which is yeah. where you have some sort of little crumbly white water that breaks relatively far away mm. from the beach that just turns into a swell. You don't really want a breaking wave, mm. to my mind. I mean, the people that seem to want to foil a breaking wave are a lot of times they're surfers that are bringing their surfing to foiling. Yeah. So doing turns, top turns, bottom turns, and making it into a more surfing-oriented thing. My sort of direction has been a lot more about reading the, the swell lines and trying to tap into the most fast and efficient lines I can. And, and it's, mm. you're really feeling it. I would say that when you're surfing a really perfect wave, 
you sort of stop having to negotiate lumps and bumps and generate your own speed. You're pretty much just steering when you're going that fast. Mm. And uh, it's a little bit like that. You kind of just, you know, you're flying your, your little craft flying, which mm. is kind of different. It's definitely not surfing to, me, to my mind. It's just an evolution of surfing. You're not so much touching the water anymore. <laughs> Do you know, that is, uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful piece of advice and a really strong, that there's sort of, you don't have to stand still. You can reinvent yourself. The joy of learning yeah. is there, you know, to, to also, for us as well, a great lesson for us to sit around and moan about the conditions being flat. There are so many other things we can do as water people to, to squeeze every last bit of joy out of this wonderful gift that is the ocean. Oh, yeah. I mean, just getting creative. Yeah. If you can think of something that you want to do. I mean, you know, when we were kids, I remember we made a sail out of a sheet and we were getting dragged along on a windy day down the driveway on a skateboard. When I look back at that, that's pretty much just all I'm doing now. Yeah, <laughs> That's epic. I love that, George. That is great. And I think, you know, we, as we'll tee up here is someone in George, we talk a lot about Seth Godin and his, his almost pleas to, to, to us humans to, to be creative, to, to channel our inner artist, to try things, to go outside the comfort zone, to not sit within these self-imposed walls that uh, we build around ourselves for the fear of other people looking at us and judging us. And what you're doing with the kind of progression and, and actually as an artist yourself, accomplish one, is all of the things that we're trying to implore people to do on the show and, mm -hmm. and to kind of push this concept of mindful surfers really being people who are not afraid to kind of push themselves away from where they think they are most comfortable. It's a great inspiration to hear that and to hear the joy you've got from it as well. Oh yeah, it's really good. I know it comes across a little fanatical when I talk about just this, oh, this is this one thing, this is one thing, but I think I'm just like that, very uh, very focused on what I'm doing at the time and then when it's the next thing, I'll be very focused on that next yeah. thing. And um, I don't know, I mean, next time we talk about it, I might be <laughs> telling you a different story about something else, I don't know. Well, we look forward yeah. to the next thing. We Definitely. look forward to it, George. George, thanks so much right. for coming on, coming on to the show. Dude, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having again. me on, guys. It's awesome. Yeah, epic. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Yes. Speak soon. Take care. Cheers, George. Cheers. Bye. That was epic speaking to George, wasn't it? Thank you, George Foster. Thank you, George. Great My guy. brother. I know. We don't really look the same. No, he's good looking. It, oh, <laughs> that's very kind. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Um, so he is the handsome one, though, isn't he? He is George? the handsome. He's very yeah. handsome. Yeah. And, and he. he um, He's a good speaker, isn't he? Very articulate. Very articulate, very creative. Mm. Um, it's the passion, I think, for me, uh, when you speak to people that are engaging and interested. It's the people who feel confident and free in it or not embarrassed by the things that they love in life. And it sets you free, that, doesn't it? That kind of... Uh, and, and George seems to embody that for me. You were speaking to your brother in a different context and in, in kind of light of the mindful surfer philosophy. What did you pull out of it? Firstly, it was really interesting to talk to George on that level because when we chat on the phone with him over in Hawaii and I'm in, in obviously in England and we get our time zone sorted, we have a chat, we get straight onto surfing. Mm. I mean, literally within seconds. Yeah. So funny. Bless my mum and sister. They, they, they just have no idea what is being spoken about. What are these words? Mm. What are they talking about? Surfing thing goes really like that. Isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. so specific. Yeah, man. And the adjectives yeah. just crack me up. 
but yeah, it's it's interesting going deeper with someone who you know well, mm. and great to hear him talk about how he makes the most yeah. out of what he has. Now, again, he broke down that possible. Well, it is a misconception that yeah. just because you're in Hawaii, you're getting perfect waves. Of course, in Maui, it's it's super windy. Yeah, um, it's it's a bit crowded. Yeah. It's a very intense crowd. Yes, you know, high skill level surfers. Yeah. But it's a real wind sport island as well. Mm. So you can sort of be a surfer like George. Now George has always surfed, and he mentions this, and obviously in the interview, but. What I love to hear and I want to draw upon that we can all relate to is making the most of what you have in the, fe- in the sense that George has got a windy island, but he's, he's going foiling. Yeah. He's thinking outside the box. Now, you can't always go for a three foot, four foot yeah. perfect clean surfing in Maui. And if you do, mm. yikes, it's going to be crowded yeah. and a very intense crowd at that. Yeah. So thinking outside the box, making the most of what he has, he's thought laterally and, and found flow and joy and love for what he's doing. And when I relate it to where we surf and wherever you may surf in the world, mm. we're all going to have, um, to a greater or lesser degree, depending on where you live, we're going to have off seasons of the surf. Yeah. And we're going to have times where the surf, even during the season, yes. goes a bit iffy. Yeah. We won't call it shit anymore, but yeah. we're just a bit iffy and yeah. a bit off and, and not as easy to to do top to bottom turns That's on or, or yeah. whatever it might be that you enjoy. So for us, and for me personally, it's been, you know, living where we live, making the most of what we have is yeah. is actually a couple of things. One, it's the physical, it's it's the equipment choice. Yeah. So really, really keep experimenting. Yes. And keep experimenting it again yeah. and again and again. And don't be shy about selling a board and buying another one and selling yeah. a board and buying another one. Keep that journey going. That's the physical and the mental, spiritual is a focus on what you have, which is possibly for me at this stage is, yeah. is surf friends. Mm. So I spent my, I spent years surfing probably better waves, mm. but always surfing completely on my own yeah. in North Devon yeah. or North Cornwall with my, with my partner, we'd go mm. um, and, and just travel around to wherever the waves were. Mm-hmm. So I get this, this friend surf thing now yeah. that is just such a replacement of what mm. I used to have. I used to be lonely surfing mm. always on my own. Yeah. Of course, the mind, being the way the mind is, mm. it has this negativity bias. It mm. can and does very mm. often go into like, fuck, what has happened to my surfing? I can't yeah. do a turn. I can't get it right. I can't, whatever. Of course, if I'm being negative on myself or my yeah. life or whatever's going on, firstly, give myself permission to be doing it because yeah. we're all human. Um, and then secondly, just notice it. Notice what I'm doing because it's just a story. It's, it's not real. The no. mind is just telling a fucking story. Yeah. Your life is what you make it. Mm. And whether that's the surf or the life or life in general, because they're intertwined, but I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I work at it every, every week, every, yeah. every month of my life. Yeah. Um, cause I, I do dream of, of better waves and think, shit, man, this is just, this is hard going. And of course there's ego elements too. Cause it's like, well, this, you know, yeah. I can surf yeah. bigger, gnarlier, better, yeah. more thumping waves. And, and that adds another layer to it, but always the healing. Yeah. Is awareness. I completely agree. Surf those waves when you get them. It's the get what you get and don't get upset philosophy, isn't it? To kind of uh, bring my parenting into it. Is that you kind of say, well, it is what it is and this is what we've got. So we can either create negativity around that those conditions and that kind of paddle out where people say it's a bit shit today. Well, that's a point of view. And, you know, and we are fed these doses. And that was really interesting from the interview to say, you know, from the outside looking in, you think, you know, turquoise waters, perfect barrels, surf every day, consistent conditions every day, etc, etc. Because the media world will feed you that. That's what's happening. And this, guys and girls and humans of the earth, is what you're missing out on. So you should be upset with what you've got. And, and in fact, you can consume all of that media. You can see 
you know, what Jamie O'Brien's doing and what Kyle Lenny's doing and what all of these great surfers around the world are doing in phenomenal uh, conditions and, and, and beautiful sunshine. Having been in Northumberland for a week, beautiful sunshine is, you know, it's what, it's six, seven degrees warmer where we live here than it is up there. Mm-hmm. So you can see the attractiveness of it. But at the same time, if you embrace the gifts that are sent through the kind of storms and the wind and the conditions that are out at sea and you get this wave energy and you just ride it and you love it. And in your mind, we're talking about visualization, well, let your mind wander to wherever it wants to be in that moment of flow, bliss, joy, and don't let the noise of um, comparison take you out of that moment. And uh, love that. And, and that was interesting as well that George said about the surfing. You know, he is making the best of the conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, equipment choice, so a foil for him, which I was always petrified of and still am, you know, in terms of the kind of actual gnarliness of the equipment and where it's at. But, you know, if that in dials in his flow state, which he talked about in great detail, in a way that goes well beyond his surfing experience out there, then all power to him has an amazing quality to have that, that you kind of, you have such a growth mindset that you can move away from the thing that you think you'll never move away from, which is a, a board with fins and nothing else attached to it. But also then this kind of comes back to our home break and our mm-hmm. home breaks. If we look at the island of the UK as well as, as in, in its entirety, is that here's somebody that's living the dream in, in, in Maui and is saying that um, some of, well, in fact, not some of the most memorable surfs and the most enjoyable surfs are back at home. And isn't that a lovely, mindful surfing position on the world to say, actually, the grass isn't greener. It's mm. sometimes right under your nose where, where all of the great things exist. It's so true. And there's so much more that goes into life than how we often mm. perceive Yeah, from where we're at. We yeah. often, if we're, if we're not in a great place, we can look at the past through rose-tinted yes. spectacles, yeah. in a sense, or look at the yeah. future with a an anxiety of like, well, how yeah. how could I keep staying here? Yeah. When it, this this place I'm in right now isn't mm. what I want. And yet, going back to what we said before, it's all a story. Yeah, coming from the mind. And when you can start to just be mm. aware mm. of that self defeating story, yeah, notice it, pay attention to it, and its illusionary nature, you let it pass. It's a bit like um, you know, you walk outside, yeah, and there's so much you can see. Mm. But how much do we see? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you could walk outside and you could see reflections and colours mm. and shapes and views and people and the interesting differences in people. And I mean, I'm mentioning five of about a good million yeah. things that's happening in the real world yeah. of what we call present yeah. world. When we're in mind, we miss it. Mm. The thoughts are mm. the concentrated aspect mm. of what our experience is. Yeah. And it's only until someone makes the experience the experience mm. that they really start to heal their life and, and start mm. to notice how much mm. good is in their life already. If the thought is the experience and the overarching mm. one, life just passes by. Yeah. And you don't really mm. take in the experience. Absolutely. If I'm making any sense. No, I know, you know I, know, I, mean? I know exactly what you're talking about here. This is something that, you know, no one's perfect at coaching themselves through this these exercises that help you with the mind and its negativity and positivity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, we both kind of um, looking at this from the point of view of improvers in that respect as well, you know, mm. with different experiences of how to deal with those moments of, let's call them mindlessness in a way, and where your mind is actively sabotaging experiences or moments that if you could just sit in the present, 
you would enjoy much more. Mm. And as we've said on previous shows, you know, that could be you sat at a family dinner and you're thinking, well, I'll go out surfing later, or you're in traffic, or you're in a place where the, the weather's not quite what you expected, or the waves are not quite what you expected, uh, or the, the quality of the campsite's not, you know, or et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes that's a combination of ego and busy mind and negativity bias all coming together to lift you out of the fantastic experience of just being a human being mm. and living and breathing in that moment in time. And we're all guilty of it, you know. Big time. Uh, you can't sit here and, and, and be a perfect mindful uh, surfer or mindful whatever you want to be. But it's just noticing it, as you say. And, mm. and I get that very frequently is this kind of where your future anxiety or your anxiety is about the future and imagined consequences of things that haven't happened mm -hmm. or imagine scenarios about things that might go wrong create spikes in cortisol or whatever happens to your body in that kind of fight or flight when you sit and contemplate it in a meditative state it's crazy isn't it to mm. do that to your body uh, that your mind actually does that to your body because the situation isn't real it's not even real uh, and but, if you had a friend yeah talking to you they would say don't be so hard on yourself yeah and they would say you need to take care of your health. Yes. And they would say, let it go. If you can do that for yourself, mm. I think you've now unlocked, like, and then I say the secret to life, because I'm not here to say that that's mm. what I contain the secret to, but certainly you've gone a long way yeah. to make your life way more positive. Yeah. Way more positive. I think that I want to relate it back what George was mentioning mm. to um, sort of home is where the heart is, that yes. old saying. Yeah. Um, and we could travel around the world looking for you know better waves mm. or better experiences or yes. or more dramatic and exciting yeah. experiences because i think you know that's something that we crave as humans mm. is excitement and, yeah. and adventure and that's totally natural nothing wrong with that i think yeah. it's really really natural yeah. but where it can spill and become a bit more toxic is when we actually just start to just consistently focus on what we don't have where we live or what we're doing and i always remember doing that in london um, and i'm from a devon originally i think i mentioned this before in the show but i just wasn't there yeah do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was elsewhere and yeah. it was in the water or it was by that beach or it was driving down there or it was with a friend yeah. or it was whatever. And I was just never there. And there's an Eckhart Tolle quote, which is just very simple, but very, very, very powerful, which is wherever you are, be there completely. Yeah. And as you start to cultivate that into your life, you start to let go of so much baggage, no matter how much you are or aren't getting to surf or whatever your ability is or isn't, yeah. or, or whatever. Um, I've just got to mention another one. I, I'm reading Eddie Jones's autobiography at the moment. It's very, very good. Fascinating character. Spiky old devil, Eddie Jones, but very entertaining to read. And, and yeah. he's got some great insights. Real learner. Yeah. He is an absolute thirsty learner, wanting to just be in that realm. Growth mindset. His one was, um, I just wanted to share on the show. You're not going to do the voice. I'm de <laughs> definitely not going to do the voice at all. But his, his his quote was, and he mentions this to his players, which is, you know, and it relates to life and I'm going to bring it back to life. Yeah. You know when you're as, as good as you think you might be yeah. on those better days? Yeah. So relate that to life. You know, things aren't as perfect as you might. You yeah. know, you've got to stay humble Yeah. to keeping things going. If things are going great, well, yeah. okay, well, what, why? Well, because you're doing yeah. this habit, this habit, this habit. Okay, so keep all those habits going. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The other end of the scale is, and he says this to his players, yeah you know, when they've had a bad run. Yeah. Is you're nowhere near as bad as you think you are. Mm. And so if life is knocking you yeah, and you think it's X, Y, Z, well, it, with a bit of hindsight, you'll see yeah. it's not actually anywhere near as bad as you think it is. And I like that. It's like, if it's going well, yeah. why? Okay, so you've got to stay humble. Yeah. 
Okay, and if it's not going so well, you've got to actually realise that it's nowhere near as bad as you, as, you, as you think it is. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I've got an Eddie John story, actually. Oh, right. Which I think is, because he gets a hard press on Eddie, doesn't he? As, as, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes. And to, to a lot of people, by the way, yeah. you might not even know who we're talking about. Yes. This is the England rugby manager or coach, yes. I should mention. He's from Tasmania, isn't he? I think, in uh, just, yeah. just off Australia. He was Australian. He played and, and yes. coached in Australia as well. I think he was well. Sydney. I th- I'm, I'm, you might yeah. be fair, but he played yeah. in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I saw him, uh, and living in Devon, I'd be careful to admit this, but uh, and I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of Saris, but I used to take my kids to see the Saracens because I'd didn't live very far from the ground when I lived in London. And I was there one day with my middle boy and we were queuing for a coffee, which is not very rock and roll at a rugby match, is it? But I've, I'm a responsible parent. And uh, about three people in front of me in this very long queue for the coffee at the Allianz Stadium, which is where Sarri's played, is Eddie Jones. Stood there in his coat with a bag, queuing like everybody else for coffee. And the guy at the coffee stand spots Eddie and says, uh, what do you want, Eddie? And he said, no, I'll stand, I'll just, I'll wait my turn pretty much. Mm. And, um, you know, fair play. I really liked that attitude. Really liked it. It's really cool. Yeah. If you work on your character, mm. the, it's like, you know, he says in, in his book, in fact, yeah. it's like, you know, you work on the process and the role yeah. takes care of itself. You work on your character yeah. and life takes care of itself. Yeah. You don't have to do much to life. Yeah. If, you, if you're diligent, you're taking your rest when you know you need rest. Yeah. You're working hard, but not so hard that you become stressed. Yeah. You're doing things that light you up. Yeah. You're making sure that you're feeling like you're contributing to something greater than yourself. If you kind of go through these these aspects, yeah. your life, yeah. whatever we may call it, yeah. just takes care of itself. And actually, it's funny on that point. We're getting quite yeah. deep on this. I but know. Eckhart Tolle, again, talks about this aspect of, you know, my life. Yeah. And can there be such a thing when life... You are life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's another realization I think a lot of surfers could have. Because it's like, you know, well, it's my surfing yeah. and my surf life. Yes. Well, hang on a second. That doesn't exist. Mm. You are the surfing life because yeah. you are the mind and body that goes surfing. Yeah. You know, or, you know, where I get to surf. Well, yeah. again, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's no, really I, no interesting I, I, take I, I, on it. I do get that. And it's sort of realizing that that is just, it was because we like to wear things as labels as well. And actually on the Eddie Jones, uh, people be looking, he's a fascinating character anyway to listen to, isn't he? He's got some great, I would love to have Eddie Jones on the show just to talk to him about those principles, because I kind of like that. This is sort of, uh, again, going into the, the sort of philosophies around who you are and where you're at is that you're neither better than anybody, if you think about that, but nor are you worse than anybody. Because That's our, a lovely way Because our minds, and particularly surfers do this, I reference it exactly in the lineups where everybody's looking and saying, well, I am superior to that person i think i said in the last show superior to that person over there because i can do x y and z and that person's a kook and blah and we're labeling and positioning ourselves and actually if we just say look we're all human beings here and we're neither better or worse than anybody else and we just have different skills and so forth but that is life isn't it and uh we are that life and we are as transient we come and go in that life as much as everything else does and then we pass that on to the next generation and so on and so forth so it is that kind of feeling of perfect balance again we're going into that sort of Taoist thing now of that line between order and chaos mm. and it's the line between superiority and inferior inferiority it's kind of that we are what we are and that should just be enough beautifully put my friend yeah beautifully put segment three we're going we're to come into some surf media surf media we just want to talk about what, someone who we really admire yeah. on, on this show is Sasha. What's his surname? Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's I was about funny. to say Baron Cohen. I was as well, by the way. It's the only other Sasha. Or Sasha, the, uh, let's call him the 90s superstar uh, house DJ. 
You're too young for that, probably. Ooh, hang on. I used to play with a guy called John Digweed, Sasha and Digweed. They were uh, they were Renaissance house DJs. They were brilliant. But this is not the same guy. Not Although same. I'm sure he's pretty good on the deck, Sasha. He looks pretty cool, dude, doesn't he? He lo- looks like a very, very cool dude. Yeah. And we just really like his stuff. This is zero ego board reviews. Actually, he's good on the decks. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and the shit joke has been said by Liam. That's the dad joke <clears throat> of the day. Oh God, no, yeah. Liam. Um, <laughs> um, he's really good, isn't he? We yeah. do like him. Yeah, yeah. Just we like his honesty. Yeah. Couple of things for me, really. He's he's, he's positioned it perfectly from his honesty of this is where he's at with his surfing and his ability and his and his appetite for growth in that journey almost exactly what we talk about week after week on the show and seems to have done the thing that uh, I had to do myself and that I would advise people kind of look at themselves and do is that just if you want to progress at anything just look at yourself and think where you currently at in all honesty you know get naked and be comfortable with being stupid almost uh, to say this is where I'm at and this is where I want to grow from and I think Sasha at Zero Ego uh, Board Reviews has done exactly that I completely agree. I think what's on a very technical point, I think mm. video really helps. Yes. When I got video for me for rugby, yeah. I actually went, this is, this is ego for you. I went, oh, I'm not quite as good as I thought yes. I was. It was the really classic. insightful. Yeah. Um, I think depending on the character, people either put themselves too low yeah. or often too high. Yes. And I would be probably the other way yeah thinking i'm better than I actually am being the ag- arrogant prick that i obviously am we'll ask eddie jones when he comes <laughs> on the show what he thinks <laughs> could you just critique this uh video of uh will play rugby like, oh mate that's yeah. fucking shit yeah um <laughs> there you go but no it, so what he's done quite well is he's obviously done these videos at the wave yeah. in bristol yeah so i encourage anyone I, th- I think you know video really reveals what's kind of going on yeah with your surfing ability because you might kind of think oh it's like this but actually you can see i, I agree it's I, like I, that I, I would love to do more of that and that's what surf simply do well isn't it the video replay we used to do it in swim coaching when i was swimming and you would get replays of how you were swimming and it would help improve those uh help improve technique i'd love to do more of that for myself mm-hmm. get the video of uh of surf sessions and play them back and think this is where you would learn but you, i think the wave is probably a good place to do that the, the wave is a really good place to do it because the wave is yeah consistent quote, unquote, consistent yeah. it's there what you can do and we need to do this dude because yes. it'd be great content for yeah. the show because we're gonna have a youtube channel at some yes. point we've got these dreams of doing um documentaries which yes. we'll talk about in a bit yeah. if you, if you yeah. want but as an aside it's the drone yeah. technology that's out there now yeah. which can follow you yeah in the surf once that's it's right. running out of battery yeah it hovers back to the van yeah. and sits back on the roof. Like, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. So Witchcraft, we, I tell you. I What's know, all this about? <laughs> mate, it's just is, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. But we, we also have this thing where, so we also just want to finish on that, is that just we'd love to have Sasha on the show at some point. Just really check his stuff out. We highly recommend his down-to-earth nature, yep. his learner growth mindset. Particularly for all of the people in the UK that are trying to develop and learn and get better and progress at surfing because he represents i would say what 99 percent of the people that we speak to about the show yes yes yeah. and that's around the world too yeah i mean no matter where you go in the world it's not the top guys yeah who are representing the majority yeah because actually it's a warped view it, yeah. we see videos of top guys yeah and when we're at breaks we see top guys yeah but then what about the rest and you and i have both spoken about this yeah. that when we go to top breaks in england yeah. Have a look around at yeah. how many individuals yeah. are actually catching and carving waves yes. and snapping. And yeah. it's like 5 yeah. 10%. Yeah. So there is that bulk. And I think that exists across the world. I think yeah. you can be in Australia, California, South Africa. Yeah. 
Spain, Portugal, Completely. wherever. And I think you'll see the same kinds of things yeah. because it's people sort of feel comfortable yeah. in that I'm just going to sit on my board thing. Yeah. And because it means I don't have to fall off. Yeah. I don't have to fuck up. I don't have yeah. to mess up the way. I don't have to look like an idiot. Yeah. And it's, when you think about the power of human ego, I think most people who are going surfing aren't even surfing. I know. I'm and thinking, but you actually work it out. Yeah. And look, take it, it from- takes a humble character to actually go for it, right? Take it from me. Looking like an idiot is the key to progression <laughs> <laughs> in everything you do in life. Good stuff is on the other side of, and it's only your own view of whether you look like an idiot. Mm. Let's be honest. Not very many other people care or give a shit. And, they sh- and if they do, fuck them. Yeah. And if you can drop the worry, uh, this is going to come up every week, drop the worry about what people think of where you're at and what you're doing. Joy is on the other side. Well said. What a great way to finish yeah. today's show. Mm-hmm. Guys, thanks so much for being here with us. We got uh, Adam yeah. Amin coming in two weeks. We're doing yeah. bi-monthly. Yes. So we're going to do two interviews per month yeah. and then go back to our, yeah. just Liam and I, in between yes but we've got loads of guests we want to get on haven't we I know there's some good stuff coming up so keep listening give us some reviews if you can and um, yeah get in touch that sort of interaction back and forth we'd like to hear from all of you guys that are listening to the show and thanks for being with us nice one guys